Welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. Got a pretty good lunch crowd going on today. Everyone's watching NFL Network, got ESPN on the TV, and what are they all talking about? Travis Kelsey and his status for tonight as the Chiefs tight end hyperextended his knee earlier this week in practice. He is currently listed as questionable versus the Lions tonight. But 910 The Fan is proud to be once again the home for VCU basketball. I love working with Robbie Robinson and Rodney Ashby. We'll be calling games this year, doing pregame and postgame as well as halftime. And the season begins October 28th with an exhibition game before McNeese State comes to town. And their head coach, former VCU basketball coach Will Wade, who is suspended for the first games of the season, so he will not be in attendance. I mean, there have been some rumors coming around that maybe he's going to show up with a mustache and a hat and try to sneak his way back into the Siegel Center. And joining us right now to break down the VCU Benz basketball 2023-2024 schedule is the Richmond Times-Dispatch beat reporter for VCU Athletics, Zach Joachim. What's going on, Zach? Adam, what's up, man? Thank you so much for having me on. I would not be surprised if Will finds his way uh, into the crowd there, perhaps in that group right by the sideline that did all the FBI outfits uh, last time he was back. (laughs) Maybe he'll just uh, assimilate himself into that group. (laughs) It's going to be a fun one. Uh, So the highlight of the VCU basketball schedule to me was 20 nationally televised contest 20 games on national tv now we do encourage everybody to follow along you know mute your tv and listen to robbie robinson and rodney ashby right here on 910 the fan but zach how about that 20 national televised games i think it speaks to how big of a cornerstone of the a10 vcu is right from a from a draw perspective we've we've there have been conversations in the offseason here about conference mobility and everything and the complexion of the a10 over the last few years, and I think VCU, Dayton, and St. Louis are really right now in that clear top tier um, as far as interest goes. And they want to get VCU on internationally televised games, and they're a huge draw, and I think it speaks to how much the the reputation of this program means to the A-10 conference. Um, I think that, uh, obviously, when VCU joined the A-10, um, it was getting a lot more bids in the NCAA tournament than it is right now. Um, and I think everyone's hoping for a bit of a rebound year collectively from the conference, particularly those teams at the top, uh, because everyone wants those opportunities to build their NCAA tournament resume in conference. And hopefully VCU will get a little bit more of that this year than they have in the last few years. Yep. And one of the big games I have circled is before conference play. And that's when the team goes down to Orlando. That first game against Ohio State, or not Ohio State, Iowa State, is huge because it will give VCU the path to playing the best teams in Orlando. So that's going to be huge for that early season tournament. I think everyone was a little disappointed that Penn State is on the other side of the bracket, right? And correct yeah. me if I'm wrong here, but I think the only ways that they could play Penn State would be in the championship game or in the last place game. Um, yeah. And so it, it looks unlikely that we'll get the, the rematch that, or not the rematch, but, you know, the, the v- meeting of old VCU, VCU past and VCU present that I think we all wanted with Ace Baldwin and Nick Kern and Mike Rhodes uh, up there in Happy Valley. And I think everyone was hoping to see that matchup. It looks unlikely, but VCU still with some great opportunities. And as we talked about the, a few weeks ago, as I was, when I was on last, man, there's not a whole lot of opportunities in that non-conference slate to build your resume outside of Orlando. And so this has been true for VCU in years past, that that holiday 
Thanksgiving tournament was imperative and getting some good wins there. Uh, to VCU building its NCAA tournament resume and really collectively for the A-10, you know, to get back to that point, right? The, those tournaments for the top teams in the conference, they've got to make hay, you know, in the, in the holiday tournaments and get some wins against Power 5 schools or Power 4 or whatever it is these days. Um, and, and earn some wins that are going to boost the collective resume of the conference. So not just for VCU, but for the A-10, or Orlando is absolutely huge. Absolutely. So the conference schedule begins January 3rd when St. Bonaventure comes to the stew. But the big out-of-conference game I have circled outside of the Orlando tournament is when Memphis comes to the Seagull Center. He- head coach, a former NFL player, Penny Hardaway. We know what happened last year when a former an NBA player came to the stew and um, Jerry Stackhouse, right, with his team uh, there, and he got kicked out of, out of the game, and it was, like, unbelievable. You had an SEC team and Vanderbilt coming to the stew. That was an awesome game last year. I'm circling Memphis as the best out-of-conference home game this season. Absolutely. That's going to be an awesome environment. And just as an aside, I think both of our brains are in football mode right now. I kept wanting to call the, the, the VCU backcourt the VCU backfield in an article the other day, and yeah. I, I, I couldn't get it out of my brain. So we're both we're ready for football season, man. But yeah. but yes, that that matchup is going to be man one of the louder environments I think we've ever heard at the Seagull Center. I mean, that my brain immediately goes to to Texas when Shocker returns, um, LSU when Will returned. Uh, you know, those were a couple of the the most raucous environments that I've heard at the Seagull Center. Memphis is going to be huge. That's a really strong program in a really good place right now. That I think by all accounts should be ranked and perhaps ranked rather highly going into that game. And so that's a huge opportunity, you know, getting back to the non-conference schedule um, and the limited opportunities that VCU and the A-10 collectively have to build NCAA tournament resume. Um, That game will be huge, and it's so hard from a scheduling perspective for VCU to get opponents like that to come to the Seagull Center, right? Because because over the years, it's just not worth the risk. Everyone knows how difficult of a place to win it is, um, and a lot of Power 5 schools – don't want to risk that in their non-conference slate and have to go to the Seagull Center and play in a really tough environment in the game that they might lose and that might hurt their resume down the road. And so it's a, it's a golden opportunity for VCU and what's going to be a, a raucous environment with a really high-profile high head coach and program coming into the Seagull Center. I, I can't wait for that one either. Uh, on a Wednesday night, which will be strange, right, there in the middle of the week, I think we're used to all the high-profile VCU games. Being on Fridays, they've got quite a few of those. Um, in the conference schedule this year against Dayton and St. Louis, et cetera. Um, but that's going to be a really fun Wednesday night on Broad Street. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. we got Zach Joaquin with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. 910, the fan, the leader of sports here locally, talking VCU basketball a ton during the season. We also have the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. New episodes come out during the season every Thursday night with Connor Bailey, Caleb Jones, Chris Mason, and myself. And so uh, as soon as the schedule came out, we were all group chatting about what away games we're going to try to hit. And, uh, of course, there's at George Mason. Love going back to Fairfax, where I'm from, January 9th. Uh, I'm going to try to go to UMass February 20th. And then, of course, we'll hit the game at Henrico (laughs) against the Spiders. That's March 2nd. Any other away games that you're looking forward to? A point about that that I wanted to, to throw in there. Did you see uh, Ed McLaughlin's uh, video the other day thanking last year's team yeah. um, for, the, for the A-10 Tournament Championship, which was awesome, I thought, and really poignant for, for Ed to, to put it out there, to, you know, because so many of those guys 
have obviously moved on to new challenges and in new programs, but they'll always be part of the VCU community, not just because of what they accomplished in the black and gold, but just by the nature of being part of VCU basketball. Um, you know, even if you transfer out this summer, we've had guys like Marcus Santos Silva coming back to the Basketball Development Center. Um, you're part of that family forever. And that was really poignant, but I, I noticed that Ed in there <laughs> threw a, a trip up to Henrico, I believe, yeah. was, was the language there in that video. So, so that was funny. I always enjoy uh, making that trip up there uh, to our pretty close neighbors uh, out in the county. Um, but, uh, man, I'm excited for that Norfolk State game. I wanted to throw that in there. You talked about going back to, to Fairfax to, to see Mason um, and that you always enjoy that trip. Norfolk State's coming up here, but I'm, I'm from Norfolk. I went to Maury High School down there, and I was talking to Fats um, a little more than a month ago when I interviewed him for a feature story. Um, and he was excited about that game, too. He has a former high school teammate from Barina who plays for Norfolk State. And I think just someone growing up in the 804, he understands the weight of that 804-757 rivalry. And we don't get enough of that these days with, with BCU not playing ODU consistently anymore. And so that's one that, that, that stood out to me. But in terms of the, the conference schedule, I'm just glad BCU doesn't have to go to Kingston um, because it, with this generation of, of BCU fandom, and, you know, I, I graduated in December of 2018, and I've had way too many difficult matchups with Rhode Island, both at the Siegel Center and up there in Kingston. And so I'm excited that BCU doesn't have to make that trip this year because I've got some bad memories, notwithstanding Zeb's game winner. Uh, yeah. last year, which was which was certainly on the brighter side of memories in that gym. Um, but looking at the stretches, um, I think it, it's relatively light to start, right? Bonaventure and G-Dub at home and then going to Mason and LaSalle. You would hope to be able to win those four games, although I know Bonaventure um, is looking like they've got a really good team coming in this year. Um, and later in the season, that trip is always difficult, and that's the stretch that stood out to me, right? Starting on January 27th, you got to go to Davidson. Three days later, go to Bonaventure. And then Richmond at home, go to Fordham, and then Dayton at home and at St. Louis. That's a difficult stretch um, in there for, for BCU with some tough road trips. And then, you know, a couple of the conference's top teams at home. I think that that stretch there at the end of January and leading into February is where we're really going to learn where this team stands in the A-10 hierarchy. Zach, great stuff, man. Follow every, Everybody follow Zach on social media, at Zach Joaquin. Read his work, richmond.com. Thanks a lot, man. Adam, you're the best. Thanks for having me on. Hope you didn't have Travis Kelsey in too many fantasy leagues. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> you're listening to AWOD on the fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll mix it up. Do a little Netflix coming up next. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? How are you doing today? I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So we did mention we wanted to make this a very football-heavy show today. Mixed it up a little bit there, talking VCU basketball. I thought that schedule release was huge news locally. Wanted to get into that. And, of course, the flying squirrels in the middle of this playoff push and their final homestand at the Diamond. But right now it's time to catch you up on anything you might have missed in the world of Hollywood and entertainment. Yes, the strike is still ongoing on Netflix. Netflix, the best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix. All right, so what are we watching this weekend? And tonight, obviously, we're all going to watch the NFL. And if you haven't seen it yet, you should check out this season of Hard Knocks. I've been enjoying watching the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers. I've I rolled through all of the 
Netflix's new show, Quarterback. And so there's just a lot of good sports documentaries out there. You should check out the Johnny Manziel one. I have not watched Swamp Kings yet about the Florida Gators. So when we're talking about what we're watching, and we're, of course we're watching NFL, there's also a lot of good sports documentaries out right now. Uh, but I do have to give our producer, Christopher, a lot of credit for hipping me to a story that is unbelievable right now about Rotten Tomatoes. Do you want to explain this to the audience, Christopher? Yeah, sure. So um, there's recently been revealed that a certain studio has been giving about $50 to reviewers to give a higher review to their movies. So they have a higher percentage on Rotten Tomatoes. It's just, it's just crazy. So they're just cheating the system, basically. Yeah, and it's super easy on Rotten Tomatoes because not a lot of people know this, but the, the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes is a percentage based on, like, yes or no if they liked it. It's not the average rating of everyone. So just bumping up 10% right. could of a couple of reviewers could really boost numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people do rely on Rotten Tomatoes. I've always said I am an IMDb guy. Christopher, I say on the show, if a movie has a 7.1 rating or above, it's good for me to watch. Below a, a 7.1, no thank you. I'm a letterboxed guy. I, I, I do okay. a five-star rating. and uh, I, I'm looking for above a three or below a two. So if you're doing letterbox, what's the best letterbox movie recently? Um... The last thing I watched was a movie called Babe Watch. Babe Watch? Yep. Nice. <laughs> what the hell is that? It was horrible. <laughs> uh, it was from the 90s. It was trying to parody Baywatch, uh, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet there were a lot of hot girls running around in bikinis. Um, so another story I wanted to bring up on Netflix today um, is Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. It's been talked about. It feels like for over two years now. I always say the joke that if you go to Apple TV, you can't go to Apple TV Plus without them promoting a movie that they haven't even released yet. It's like they're they're faking everyone out. Oh, we've got Leo. We've got Martin Scorsese, Scorsese here. Oh, but it's not available yet. So when will this movie finally be out for people to watch, Christopher? So it actually got delayed two more weeks to October 20th, but now it is of having course. a full wide release and hitting IMAX as opposed to its limited uh, theatrical run. Okay. Yeah, and and it got the Dune slot. They got Dune spot. Yes, they got the, the Dune slot. The thing is, is that I'm just I'm not a fan of Dune at all, so I'm totally cool with that. I mean, look, this is this is a movie that had a lot of hype, and I'm a sci-fi fan, and I thought it was going to be excellent, and I was just so bored, bored to the fact that I fell asleep watching the movie, and then everyone, you know, started telling me, oh, Dune's awesome, you gotta give it another try. I gave it another try, and I fell asleep the second time watching it, so no, I'm not interested in this second version of Dune, Dune 2, uh, not at all. Any other stories we wanted to get to here on Netflix today, dude? Uh, yeah, the, the Ninja Turtles are getting their hands imprinted on the Chinese theater in Hollywood right now. What does that mean? <laughs> so, the, like, you know, like the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but they have one at the, yeah. the Chinese theater, and the, these people in Ninja Turtle mascots are putting their, their handprint into some concrete by no the way. Chinese theater. Yep, it's happening like no right way. now. Right now. What? Did they get like the original cast to do it or is it just random people wearing TMNT? I bet it's random people. Yeah. My goodness. I've been hearing a lot of good things about the new TMNT movie though. Have you uh, checked that out yet? I have checked it out. It is fantastic. It is. Really? I, I, I've been a Ninja Turtles fan growing up and it is it is my favorite adaptation of them. 
Ooh, okay, so you're going to have to go on record here. So my, I do a rating of 0 through 5, and I do it based on joggers, all right? Five joggers is a great movie. Zero joggers, I will not watch it ever again. Uh, our foreign producer, Adam Cheek, he would do movie stubs. So come up with something original on the spot here, Christopher, and give me your rating for the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. All right, I think I'm going to have to give it uh, four, four Crocs. Four Crocs. <laughs> Four Crocs. Okay. And why is that? Uh, I, I think it's great. It's funny. I was laughing the whole way through. They had great music. It, it really, and they really felt like teenagers in this one. They, they were, they're saying dumb things. They're talking over each other. They're improving on the spot. That's pretty good. I'm, I'm going to have to check that out. I'm a huge TMNT fan. If you come over to the AWOD Theater, you'll see I have two movie posters on my wall. One, the Goonies. Love that. And number two, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm fired up for Amazon because they released a trailer for the boys spinoff. It's called Gen V. All right. Generation V. It releases later this month. And if you've ever seen the boys, it is the most gory superhero show ever. I mean, it, it starts with somebody getting their body just ripped to pieces and blood flies everywhere on your main character. And it's continued over the few seasons that it's been out now as just the most gory, awesome show. If you like superheroes, but a different spin on it where they're, you know, just kind of going around America living their life and kind of not dealing with the consequences of what happens with superhero chases going on in broad daylight. So Gen V is going to come out later this month. And basically, if you're a fan of the boys, you're going to love this because of this spinoff. It prepares people for younger superheroes. It's a new group here. And um, I'm fired up. I think it's going to be really good. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Have any of the boys behind the glass seen the boys? I've checked out the pilot. Yeah? What'd you think? I mean, it was great. I, I, need, to, I need to get into shows more. I loved it, but uh, I just haven't gotten around to finishing. Yeah, no, it is really good, and uh, I can't wait for it to come out next month. So the boys will then return in a few months. And uh, speaking of the boys, I've been trying to get one of the characters on the show. His name is Laz Alonzo, and I he, believe he plays the milkman on the show. He is a diehard Commanders fan, and so I'm hoping to book Laz Alonzo next week, possibly on a Victory Monday. I've been going back and forth with his PR manager on email. He's a huge Commanders fan, and he told me, I will not come on the show until Dan Snyder sells the team. Well, that's happened. So let's get Laz Alonzo, the American actor, on the show sometime next week. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 1051 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, the fan now at 105.1 FM. The NFL season begins tonight with the Chiefs hosting the Detroit Lions. Chris Jones, all-pro defensive tackle, continues his holdout. Says he's ready to play, but simply wants a pay raise. There was an interesting interview yesterday where he said, People don't get mad at people for going their boss and asking for a raise. Why are they getting mad at me for doing the exact same thing? He wants to be paid and respected based off of his value that he brings to the defense. All right, time to go through more of our NFL season previews because we've got to get them done before the first game begins tonight. So 
Let's sprint through these here on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup, every head coach on the hot seat, the hit stories in the NFL. NFL Hits on AWOD Radio. All right, guys, behind the glass, we've gone through a few teams already. Now it's time for the Miami Dolphins. Take a look at the phone line here. See if Dolphin Dave wants to chime in. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. We don't talk Dolphins often, but here we go with our season preview. Quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. the key for Tua this season is to just avoid concussions. He's got to stay on the field. He's got to stay upright. If that happens, Dolphins should be in line to build off of last year's success under head coach Mike McDaniel. I actually love their running book, running back room with Raheem Mostert right now. Uh, they're going to get another player back from injury soon. There's a chance that the Dolphins maybe even bolster that running back room further by trying to trade for Jonathan Taylor the Colts disgruntled running back. Wide receivers may be the best wide receiver duo in the National Football League. Tyreek Hill, your speedster, the most dynamic wide receiver with his ability to take a screen past the distance, you know, burn past every safety in the league with a simple fly route. He's just so awesome when he gets the ball into his hands. On the other side, Jalen Waddle, who has been unbelievable since coming into the National Football League. Cedric Wilson Jr. is their slot receiver. Uh, tight end Durham Smith, don't know much about him. The rest of the offensive line, a little bit shaky. Not many big name, or big name guys that you would recognize along the offensive line. Liam Eichenberg, Connor Williams, Robert Hunt. Connor Williams, probably uh, the most talented player there on the O-line. Defensively for the Miami Dolphins, led up front by Raquan Davis with Jalen Phillips on the outside, Christian Watkins on the other side, you've got Jerome Baker as inside linebacker. I love Bradley Chubb, and will he'll bring to the uh, right, right side linebacker position. Xavier Howard has really stepped up in the NFL. Uh, Brandon Jones and then Javon Holland are the rest of your secondary for this Miami Dolphins team. Uh, defense not as strong as the offense. Offense has so many play playmakers all over the field. They just need to stay healthy. It begins week one against the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert against Tua Tagovailoa. Now, I'm going to close the show today with my NFL game of the week, and I was circling this one for a while. The fact that the fact that you get a a really good matchup here to start the season with the Dolphins facing against the Los Angeles Chargers. That's a juicy quarterback matchup to start the year. Justin Herbert against two. I'm expecting a ton of points to be scored. 425 on CBS. I think the Dolphins win this game, but it's going to be a shootout, something like 38-35. And so they start their season with a win. On the road, week two against New England. That's another win before they lose two straight to Denver and Buffalo to open up the first four weeks of the season. I like to take this four weeks at a time after that it's New York, Carolina, Philadelphia and New England. I don't see any reason why they don't win at least two of those games there by week, week 10 before facing off against the Vegas Raiders. You get Washington week 13 on the road in Washington uh, closing the season here, New York Dallas, Baltimore and Buffalo that is a tough stretch to close the season. Luckily I think the Dolphins will have already racked up 8 or 9 wins by that your prediction for the Miami Dolphins officially 
on record nine and eight this season. We move over to the Jacksonville Jaguars out of the AFC South. And, of course, all eyes on Trevor Lawrence after he was terrific for the second half of last season. Was unbelievable the second half of that playoff game, the comeback win against the Chargers. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a fantasy piece this year because of his ability to run. I think he'll run for several touchdowns. Gotta love the backfield in Jacksonville as well. Uh, Travis Etienne Jr. surprised a lot of people. Not me, though. If you saw him out of Clemson, you knew as soon as he got his opportunity and he was healthy, he was going to be a stud for Jacksonville. His backup, Tank Bigsby. A lot of people have been talking about him as a fantasy option this year. Calvin Ridley, after his year-long suspension, comes over to Jacksonville, boosters that wide receiver room. That also has Christian Kirk, the former Cardinal, and Zay Jones. With Evan Ingram at tight end, there are weapons all across the field offensively. Do they have the offensive line to keep up? Brandon Scherf, who went over from Washington to Jacksonville last year, was not great at right guard. They need him to be better. Luke Fortner needs to have a good season at center. And Anton Harrison, the right tackle. You go over to the defensive side of the ball for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and, and you'll see some pretty decent pieces there. Tyson Campbell at corner. Rayshon Jenkins, uh, the starting strong safety. Josh Allen, no, not the Josh Allen for the Bills, the Josh Allen, the middle linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and so I really like what this team has done to build off of last year. Um, you got another help at wide receiver with Calvin Ridley. Christian Kirk's a decent receiver. I'm interested to see what happens at tight end with Evan Ingram. He has not been great, um, you know, since he came into the league with the Giants. This is a Jags team here that has the luck of being in a division that's going to suck. The Texans are going to suck. The Colts are going to suck even worse. And the Titans, I, I'm, I'm worried what's going to happen with the Titans this year. I think Mike Vrabel's done a great job to keep that team and that core together, but they might be over the hill now. I'm not sure how much Derrick Henry can still bring to the team. Is he going to be a 1,000-yard rusher this season? I worry about that. Jacksonville in this division beginning of the season on the road against Indianapolis lock that in as the uh, lock of the week that is a win right there week two Kansas City before Houston and Atlanta weeks three and four so you're three and one after the four weeks of the season for the Jags Buffalo Colts New Orleans and Pittsburgh you'll go two and two in that stretch right there before the bye week and then the second half of the schedule has a decent amount of home games with back-to-back -back home games, San Francisco and then the Titans, and then it's on the road, home, on the road, home, uh, basically facing off against that entire division, the AFC North, starting with the Bengals, then at Cleveland, then home against Baltimore. You close the season with three very winnable games at Tampa Bay, home against Carolina, at Tennessee. I am seeing nothing but W's on this schedule, just like if you look at their preseason, it was nothing but W's. Undefeated in preseason means nothing, but I'm going to tell you, it means the Jacksonville Jaguars build off of last season's success. I'm going on record, 11-6 and six for the Jags. We'll continue our NFL season preview and give you the NFL Game of the Week next on AWOD Radio. All right, here we go. Final segment of the day, final segment of AWOD Radio. Until the NFL season begins, and like I said, we've got to sprint through the rest of these 
NFL season previews here just so we can be on record, right? Because I know I've been throwing out these crazy hot takes and people are probably changing the channel. This guy's nothing but hot takes and hot sauce. I'm tired of his stuff. Well, believe me, that's why we're keeping receipts here. So when the Houston Texans finished exactly 5-12, and 12, I could tell you I predicted them to be 5-12. and 12. When all four of the rookie quarterbacks drafted in the first or early second round go below 500, I'm going to tell you, I predicted all of them to go below 500. We got the receipts. Let's keep it rocking here on AWOD Radio. Give me some NFL theme music, Chris, to keep me going here as we preview the Detroit Lions. A matchup tonight. Against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a Watt certified game of the week. Oh, not yet on the game of the Officially week. Not yet on the game of the week. Pull, hold up that later. No, no, no. No, no, it's all right. I just wanted some NFL theme music here. All right, so Detroit Lions. Yeah. Quarterback Jared Goff. He was really impressive last season. Jameer Gibbs, star running back. Wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown. Marvin Jones Jr. Sam Laporta, now the tight end. After they moved on from their tight end last year, traded him, Hawkinson, to the Vikings. Uh, decent offensive line, Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow. You look at the defense, defense got a few playmakers as well. Aiden Hutchinson, we've been talking about him throughout the day today. The secret weapon for them against the Chiefs, if he can bring down Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Jack Campbell, one linebacker there that I like. Derek Barnes, the other linebacker I like. Cameron Sutton as one corner. Uh, Jerry Jacobs as the other. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I'm looking for big things from him this season. This is a Detroit team that's trying to build off of last year's success where they went on like a crazy eight-game win streak to close out the season. They're going to start this week, they're this year, with an L week one, and then I do expect them to bounce back weeks two and three and maybe even week four, Seattle, Atlanta, and on the road in Green Bay, three and one to start the season. Next four weeks, have them close to three and three after that. They're going to lose to Tampa Bay. I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina took a game from them as well. After the bye week, they're at the Chargers, home against the Bears, home against Green Bay, and on the road in New Orleans. That's a tough stretch of the schedule right there. I think Chicago is going to be decent this year. They play Chicago twice week 11 and week 14 and then you close the season with three very difficult matchups it's pretty good pretty much going to decide who wins the division there in the nfc north i don't think it's going to be chicago they'll be improved from last year but not great i don't think it's going to be green bay i don't like them this season and, and new quarterback jordan love it's going to be between minnesota and the detroit lions well detroit plays minnesota week 16 on the road then they play dallas on the road week 17 before returning home to face off against the Vikings week 18. I am going to officially predict a nine and eight record for the Detroit Lions. Now we move over to the New York Giants. So we've talked a lot about the Giants throughout the offseason. Of course, they're in the NFC East with the Commanders. And I've been saying over and over again, I'm very high on the Giants. I have them winning the NFC East because you got Daniel Jones in the backfield another year with Brian Dable's system. Saquon Barkley is hungry to prove he deserves to be paid more than any running back in the NFL. I think he'll be a thousand yard rusher. Wide receivers, they've improved. Isaiah Hodgins showed something last year. Now it's Darius Slayton. Paris Campbell comes over from Indianapolis. But the big signing this offseason was tight end Darren Waller. 
If Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams can show up defensively and Kayvon Thibodeau gets after the quarterback like he did last year, this is a Giants team that will win 10 football games, maybe 11. My official prediction for the G-Men is 11-6 and six as NFC East champions. All right, now we go continuing in the NFC East with the Dallas Cowboys. Phone lines are open if any Cowboys fans want to go head-to-head -head right now because I don't see them winning many games. This is a Dallas Cowboys team that I think peaked the last three seasons. Dak Prescott is just not a good enough starting quarterback in the NFL. In my opinion, he can't hit the simple passes to the running backs, the simple comeback routes, or hitting a tight end open. He had threw 10-plus interceptions last year and also missed five games. He's going to double that this year. No, he's not going to have 20 interceptions, but he's going to have double-digit interceptions once again. I already predicted it earlier. I'm going to say it again. It's my hot take of the NFL season. You will see Cooper Rush before week 14 this year. Cooper Rush will replace Dak Prescott for bad quarterback play. Tony Pollard will be an excellent fantasy play. C.D. Lamb as well. Defensively, I think Micah Parsons takes a step back. I also think Trevon Diggs takes a step back. They've just been so good. Like they, They're on this path to be Hall of Famers. I don't know that they are Hall of Famers. They take a step back this season. Dallas Cowboys win seven games this season. Seven and ten is my official prediction for the Cowboys. All right, so next up is the Philadelphia Eagles to round out the NFC East. I do think they take a step back this year. Eagles on record at nine and eight. All right, let's move over to the AFC Chargers. Chargers are a team that I am high on, but I also think that's a division in which they're going to struggle against the Broncos and Chiefs this season. Look, this is a Chargers team here that needs Justin Herbert to take his play to the next level. As good as he has been throughout his career, and he's been great since being drafted number two overall, right? The problem is he doesn't win the big game. He doesn't win the primetime game. He blew it. He blew it in the playoffs against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so I just think this Chargers team is going to struggle because of the way last season ended. There was no momentum coming into this season. I think Denver's going to be better. They play Denver twice. Kansas City, you know they're going to be good. Chargers take a slight step back. I'm going 8-9 and nine for the Chargers this season. Ravens, you guys know I like the Ravens. Don't need to spend much time on them. Count them in for 11 wins and a... Uh, NFC AFC North Championship. Bengals a step below them at 10 and 7. All right. Bills. Love the Bills, but I'm a little concerned this year. So instead of giving them 11 or 12 wins, they'll stay at 10, 10 and 7. They're definitely a, a playoff team. And then last thing here in the AFC, Kansas City Chiefs. I'll go on record with an 11 and 6 record for Patrick Mahomes. Last two, 49ers. Love the Niners. Absolutely love the Niners. Give me 13 and 4. Vikings, love me some Kirk. Give me 12 and 5. That's your official predictions for every NFL team for AWOD's NFL season preview. Now, with the NFL season beginning tonight, I've got a new segment we're going to do every Thursday at 2.45, AWOD's Game of the Week. Let's hear it. This is AWOD's Certified Game of the Week. Five. 
officially recognized as the NFL game this weekend that is certain to meet the qualifications or viewing standards set by football guys around the country. Touchdown! 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 Diving for the left pylon. He's in for the touchdown! Guaranteed to be a football guy's football game. All right, so I've got to make it easy on myself for week one, right? I'm guaranteeing that this is going to be the game that all eyes are going to be on this week to open up the National Football League, and I'm going with 9-11. Monday night football, the New York Jets facing off against the Buffalo Bills from MetLife Stadium. All eyes are on the new New York quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, against last year's superstar, Josh Allen. I think you're going to see a game that has 63-plus points. Take the over. Take it right now. Um, Look, the line is Buffalo minus 2.5. I do think that the Jets win this game, uh, but we'll break it on down further on Monday after we recap all of the NFL Sunday action. But absolutely, you look at the card for the first week of the NFL season. I told you guys, I do think that the game between the Chargers and the Dolphins will be a good one. I think that the Cowboys-Giants Sunday Night Football could be a a barn burner. That could be an excellent game as well. I even think Eagles-Patriots is going to surprise some people as a really close defensive battle. Tonight's going to be a good game, Lions-Chiefs, but you can't look at the week one schedule and not have Bills and Jets stick out as the game of the week. It just is. It's been the story of the offseason. The Jets with that star defense and Robert Sala, the defensive-minded head coach. Well, now he brings in the quarterback guru, the passing guru, Aaron Rodgers and the Bills. There was some controversy this offseason. Was Stephon Diggs really upset that he didn't make the Madden cover? Well, we will find out week one Monday Night Football on ESPN Bills against Jets. That's AWOD certified game of the week. I appreciate it. I appreciate all the work behind the scenes from my producers behind the glass. We've got Josh and we've got Christopher doing an awesome job. Thanks, guys, so much. It's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.